the reason the market is doing what it's doing is people are sitting at home getting the checks from the government, okay? And this fair share is a bullshit concept. It's just a way of attacking wealthy people. And, you know, I think it's inappropriate. We all got to work together and pull together. gentlemen welcome this is pillow screen radio with your boy alex and i'm jim hello and uh we are the technical difficulty brothers we are here to be <laughs> extremely unprofessional not figure out how to get a video call to work jesus and to never get better at it yeah i refuse to learn i refuse to get better i bought the stupid mic for all of you and uh that's it that's as far as i'm going <laughs> so what are we talking about today alex <laughs> as if we haven't already done this before yeah let's yeah. talk fucking gamestop what happened with gamestop <laughs> okay yeah so this is everyone knows more or less or at least everyone is clued in a little bit to what's going on considering you can't open up an internet browser without just getting a deluge of like people freaking out on wall street about like what's happening with the volatile gamestop stock and everything i've had random veterans just walk up to me in the office or in the hall or like random service members walk up to me and be like, hey, bro, did you buy the dip last night? And I'm like, I did, but I've never talked to you before. Why are we all just so excited about this GameStop thing? But uh, th- but there's a reason for that. Um, and I guess you're, you're not very spun up, right? You've been kind of out of the loop. Yeah, I haven't really. I heard about it like it was a funny prank, basically, because I hadn't read the news for a few days. I was pretty busy. And I assumed it was one of those things like, oh, that's interesting. But... I I underestimated how much everyone would freak out about it. Like the Financial Times was writing about it to the degree that the New York Times was writing about the Capitol riots. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It's uh it's the thing for January, right? Got the Capitol riots, so now we got got to top off the month with some upending of some hedge funds over in Wall Street. And it's a yeah, good still time better than still better than murdering Qasem Soleimani like last yeah. year. That was an interesting January. Yeah. Okay, so if you need to if you need to know anything about GameStop and what's going on, you need to know three main players. The first one is Wall Street Bets. The best way I can describe Wall Street Bets, and I've actually been subscribed to their little subreddit for a while because I think their shenanigans are hilarious. Not that I actually put any money into anything, but the best way I can describe them is a subreddit full of people who have essentially ceded their mental health and sanity to the stock market (laughs) with the hopes of striking it big on what's essentially options gambling, right? I find that subreddit endlessly hilarious because it'll be one post where one dude like just throws $200,000 on a meme stock and then walks away like a multimillionaire after a couple of days. And then the very next post underneath that will be the guy who just dumped $10 million into some meme stock and lost it all the next day. It's absolutely, it's just psychosis. It is. Those people are insane. Okay. Uh, number two, you got to know who GameStop is. And frankly, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what GameStop is, then I don't know what to tell you. 
It's a store that exists in literally every PX and every NEX across the world. And uh, it's the place that all the it's all the privates, they go there during their lunch hour because they have fucking nothing else to do during that time. They just go like wander through and look at the little bobbleheads and all the games that they're not going to buy. And then the, yeah, they the go ask stuff, if like, they have any PS5s in yet. And they yeah, say yeah. no. <laughs> the, the GameStop cashier is trying to convince them why they really want like this anime Barbie game or something as opposed to like <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. I don't know. So <clears throat> GameStop has been heading for bankruptcy for like forever. They're just constantly closing stores. Uh, people don't buy physical games anymore. And they've kind of they've tried to do this like half hearted transition to where they're selling like gaming peripherals or mm-hmm. something, you know, the just all like the the accessories and just the random plastic chichi bullshit yeah, that you can yeah. buy because no one's actually buying the games anymore, especially due to COVID. So they look like they're just about to head off a cliff into straight bankruptcy. And number three, the next big players are the hedge funds. Yeah, uh, I think the big one that everyone talks about is Melvin Capital, but a lot of these dudes saw the writing on the wall with GameStop and they decided to short the stocks, meaning uh, that they bet heavily that the stock would fall precipitously. Like invest in the uh, opposite kind of stock or something? Or what? So how does that work? What a short is, is they essentially take out a time-limited contract, whether it's like a week or a month, that says, uh, let's see, let's see if I can describe this correctly. They get 100 shares of this GameStop stock, and then they immediately sell them. By the terms of the contract, they have to give 100 shares back at the end of the contract. So they are essentially betting that they can sell the, the shares at the very beginning, wait for the price to drop, rebuy them at a discounted price, and then give them back to fulfill their contract. So they keep the difference between what they initially sold the shares at at the very beginning and what the shares are now at at the very end. So let's say they bought... GameStop at uh, GameStop stock at fifty bucks. They then wait for it to fall to like five bucks or something, and they just made forty five bucks on every single share because of the difference between those two. It's called shorting. Well, I know less about the stock market than I thought. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's like, dude, it's one of these just financial tools that they've invented where they can essentially just bet against companies and make a fortune on the failures of others, which is incredibly sadistic. <laughs> but what what they did Vultures. is that they over leveraged themselves by about 40%, which means that in aggregate, the number of shares that they were contractually obligated to give back exceeded the amount of shares that actually exist in reality by about 40%, right? So they- So they're idiots. They, yeah, the it's like- a no, Yeah, the hedge funds did that. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. So- some dudes on Wall Street bets, the subreddit, notice this. I think the the main one is that deep fucking value guy that everyone they're like starting to write articles about him and everything. He looks exactly how you expect expect like a a redditor options gambler to look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So the, the news articles have started to come out about this guy. He's just sitting in a dark room with like his massive monitors and his gaming PC beside him, and he's like, I think he's wearing like a headband or something, just. Just cheesing at the camera. Like, yeah, I made a lot of money. Oh, I have seen that guy. Yeah he's, yeah, yeah, he's on the Financial Times front page. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You look at him and it's like, this is a revolution on Wall Street. And you did eye roll. I'm like, this guy is not leading a revolution. <laughs> There's no way this guy's doing anything besides shopping for, 
you know, a gaming chair that reclines farther. Yeah. This guy and a few others noticed it, posted on this subreddit, and convinced a lot of the people, hey, if we all buy up as much of this stock as possible and we sit on it, we absolutely do not sell, then whenever the contracts for these hedge funds end, they will be forced to buy our stock by contractual obligation at whatever price we set it at. So, which, I mean, makes sense, right? It's it's the same exact play that a lot of these hedge funds do against retail investors constantly yeah. anyways. They just figured out- own medicine, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they fucked up and overextended themselves and someone noticed. So all of these dudes, and there's like millions of people on this subreddit just started buying up stock. A lot of people were buying up, you know, thousands of shares because they have the money to do so. Most, a lot of people, especially like veterans and stuff that are trying to get in on the game just for the, the fucksies of it. They're just buying like one or two shares just to say they're participating. Um, not saying that's what I did, but that's exactly what I did. So <laughs> just I think at the beginning right. of this, the stock was under like 50 bucks. And because everyone started buying it up, it jumps to like $400 just for one share at, at the time of like writing this, right? And it's fluctuated a little bit, but that's like, I can't do math, but 800% jump just over the course of a couple of days, which is insanity. And they're saying that a lot of this could jump to the thousands, if not like the tens of thousands, depending on how this plays out. Which means that these hedge funds lost billions of dollars. I think and they had to get bailed out. Yeah, yeah. so fucking so at, funny. at this point, I think they're down seventy billion. If it's if it hasn't exceeded a hundred billion by the time we're recording this, people fucking love it, dude. Everyone over the internet is just saying like, "Hey, fuck the hedge funds." I have random people who are completely apolitical, just don't give a shit at all, texting me, being like, "Yo, let's fucking stick it to these hedge funds." Because if that's one thing that anyone can agree on, it's that we all fucking hate these guys. Dude, fuck them. I, I know. Everyone does. Everyone fuck. I want them to eat shit and die. Like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, so, okay. Let's talk a little bit about the, the reaction to this, right? So whenever these hedge funds started losing billions of dollars, they just shit their pants and tried to leverage mm-hmm. every single possible, possible avenue that they could to mitigate their losses. Uh, one way that everyone is very familiar with is... The hedge fund that has, I believe it has shares in the brokerage that Robinhood uses. Robinhood is like the app on the phone that everyone uses. Yeah, investing for the people. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. They, can, they essentially convinced or forced Robinhood to stop allowing people to buy shares of GameStop. And they said, oh, this is for the good of the retail investor. But everyone saw through that immediately for the lie that it was. It was essentially just a ploy for the hedge funds to prevent people from raising the stock price because that goes against their positions. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if that shit's legal or not, but it pissed off about everybody. My NCIC was sitting in the office just be like refreshing Robinhood. Why can't I fucking buy? Why can't I fucking buy? People were pissed. And a very similar thing happened with, I think, Twitter started restricting a lot of the hashtags associated with this. Um, CNBC was putting would put up just about any fucking billionaire idiot who just mm-hmm. got on the news and just started weeping, essentially, that, you know, he yeah, was losing. Like there are victims of, of this. Yeah. <laughs> fucking good. I laugh at your laugh at your misery. Hedge fund owners. Jesus Christ. So. There's a few things I want to point out about this this whole GameStop situation. One, the free market is not designed for the average guy. It's not designed for no. you or me. Capitalism is free markets for people who have capital, which isn't you. 
you don't have capital. You're not in the hedge funds. You're just like a guy with a couple thousand dollars. The free market is not designed for you because once you start fucking with the free market, immediately every single person comes out of the woodwork to align their positions and their interests against you because you're not supposed to play that way. You're supposed to do your diligent work. You're supposed to go to your job. You're supposed to deposit into your 401k and get a modest like 10% return every year or something like that. You're supposed to only get as rich as, you know, the GDP allows. Like as as much as the the economy grows, that's as much as you're allowed to grow no more. You're not part of the ruling class. You're not allowed you don't have access to these functions of, you know, raising capital and making more money, making billions of dollars on these moves. Yeah, it's a perfect demonstration of the divisions of class that we were talking oh, about. Oh yeah. It's perfect. Exactly. Because that would be the diff it's the same thing. It's like uh I think like lords and ladies. Yeah. You can't be a peasant and just go try to sit down at the table with the lord and the lady. They'll look at you like you just desecrated a sacred tradition. Oh, yeah. They say, the fact that you think you can be here is a revolutionary problem. And they're going to bring all the powers out that they can to, to shut it down and get you out of there. Yeah. And that leads into my second point. Pay attention to the extent to which the ruling class will band together to fuck you over. And to protect their yep. own interests. Yep. Robin Hood, the people who literally are like, you know, power to the, power to the people, power to the investors, mm -hmm. steal from the rich, give to the poor, turned on you instantly when it was against their material interest to do so. And all these people in these tech startups that are supposedly like the innovators, they're like the fresh face of capitalism, they fucking hate you too. They'll turn on you instantly. They will do everything in their power to shut down your tweets, to shut down your your access to media, to shut down your ability to trade, just to protect the people who actually hold hold the strings, essentially, hold the pocketbooks. Also, their billionaire buddies, the hedge funds, wouldn't lose their third or fourth yachts. Because even if all these billionaires lost every single dollar that they have in these positions, they still own so much shit. They're going to be living a better life than literally any of us. None of these guys, if they go out of money, out of like, if they go bankrupt, are going to end up on the street. That's just not how it works. They're going to go back to their fucking paid off land that they already have, that they pay modest property taxes on, and just live very comfortably for the rest of their lives. I don't feel bad for any of these dudes. I heard that Robinhood also, their main business model wasn't just allowing people to trade at lower income levels. It was like having taking and selling their data Correct. to to be researched basically for where the market was going correct early yeah on. so it was called i think it's called something like options flow or share flow something like that where they would essentially mm -hmm. their business model was predicated on getting as many people as possible to use their platform and then selling that data to hedge funds so hedge funds could make informed plays either against the market or identify stocks that were raising yeah absolutely mm -hmm. They're, I'm, they're as much part of the data economy as any other app that you use. So this kind of leads into the last interesting point that I have, and I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent about this one. So I want to talk about like the solidarity of it all, right? Because coming out of the woodwork, you've seen people who are completely apolitical, who are posting some, some like really left brain shit, honestly. They're like, yo, fuck, fuck the hedge funds. Like we're going to take capitalism back for the people, blah, blah, blah. We are the 99%. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. And so uh, I see a lot of leftists on the internet trying to like rein in that. They're like, yes, yes, good. They're trying to do like the, 
the Trojan horse of like Marxist theory bringing it in. Um, yeah, try to convince yeah. people that like, hey, all these problems that you're having right now, pay attention because they're going to keep happening. They're going to keep uh, exacerbating. Um, but I'm, I'm honestly not quite sure how I feel about it all. Right? I like I, I don't think I don't think it's going to last. I don't think that sentiment is really going to last after like this whole GameStop frenzy is over sometime next week. It kind of feels. To me, the whole situation kind of feels like we busted into the Lord's Manor and stole a bunch of swords and pikes and stuff, murdered his cows, and then returned all the swords and pikes to his manor and said, okay, we had our fun. Bye. We're essentially just using the tools of the ruling class against them, just like out of spite and for some fucksies, but we're not actually changing anything. This isn't going to fundamentally change how capitalism works. We're still going to be facing the same exact problems. And in fact, all these guys are probably going to do are close up a couple of the loopholes that make sure that we never do this again. That the people never get an opportunity to fuck over the hedge funds ever again. I don't know. I just, it feels so transient. Like we're, we're all excited about it. A lot of leftists are excited about it. I just, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, frankly. We're all going to forget about this in February. Yeah, I think the well, what's hilarious about it, first of all, is that people are talking about it like it's the incipient revolution. Okay, I'm going to stop saying you know. I do use filler words a lot. I'm I'm going to speak slowly, and I need you to bear with me, so I can be better at speaking. Okay. the The thing I I got frustrated with about these guys was that they think it's the marker of the beginning of a revolution or the beginning of revolutionary sentiment yeah that something's going to happen as a result of this that this is a tactic that can go and be added to the playbook for populist revolt against capitalist ruling control or something like that and that's i suppose fine cool like if you want to play more pranks Go for it. But that's what this was. This is a prank. People got rich off it, but it's a prank. And it's not something that can be used again. Like you said, that loophole will be closed. Uh, I think what it, it... There's no way that this tactic, I think, could be scaled up to apply to a revolution or something yeah. like that either. It's just a ha-ha, got you thing. It's not, it's not an actual battle strategy. It feels like a very like neoliberal dis- redistribution of wealth, essentially. Like we're getting our little infusion of cash, the 70 billion or 100 billion that we've stole from the hedge funds is getting distributed out to the people, <laughs> much in the same way that we just get our Peasley stimulus checks, right? Most people are going to make you a mean couple- mean like Robin Hood would? Yeah, yeah. Most, most people are going to get a couple thousand bucks that we're going to get our stimulus check that the government won't give us. And- uh, <laughs> that'll be it we're appeased and we're just going to move on with our lives just barely hanging on to the coattails essentially now what it is though what it what it could be when in retrospect years down the road if something does happen wherever we end up as an economy as a society this could be one of the things on the timeline where there was a glimpse behind the veil we saw the man behind the curtain and saw that this was all a giant fucking sham for a second and it does actually stoke public sentiment, like you said, apolitical people reaching out to you and talking. Apolitical, or excuse me, uh, stokes public sentiment about how revile, how reviled Wall Street is, how reviled these bankers are, how much we hate the fucking political economic order right now. 
And it's this this deep deep sense of injustice, and you can see it. That it's as simple as what's that tweet I saw? That was you or one of my friends sent it to me. It says it's like we're playing a video game, and if you lose, that's fine. They'll play another round. But if they lose, they pull the plug and they turn the game yeah. off. And that's exactly how it worked. The game's rigged. But I think the it's cool. This is cool because this is what Zizek talked about. The challenge with neoliberalism. This is not a challenge really with fascism or feudalism or something like that you you don't have trouble making the boss act like a boss you know exactly who the boss is under these other political systems yeah. under neoliberalism it's difficult these the bosses act like your friends yep. and it's hard it's hard to to make a movement counter to the boss to to demand things because half the people think that they're on the same side yeah. half the something. people think that if they just make the right stock play they'll end up multi-millionaires overnight and that's what keeps yeah. a lot of these people going so yeah they made the boss act like a boss here and they saw they the boss the wall street this robin hood had to come out and shut the game down yep. and do this flagrant act of injustice and barely legal and definitely not justifiable oppression really just a, a immediate defensive maneuver that shows how rigged the system yep. is. It's the same way that Martin Luther King Jr. had success publicizing the issue in Selma because he found the dumbest, most racist, arrogant sheriff he could <laughs> who showed his ass to the entire world. And that's how he got LBJ to freak out about how every day he was on the front page of the paper doing wildly oppressive shit. Yep. That's the same thing. He made the boss act like a boss. That's what is good that could come out of this, yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we're going to look back on this maybe the same way that we look back on Occupy Wall Street. as kind of just a blip yeah. on the timeline that didn't lead to anything greater at that moment. But it kind of speaks to the growing sentiment that did lead to something different later. Yes. Who knows if that's years from now or decades from now, but we'll see. Yeah, right on. You want to move on? Yeah, I finished my brain on GameStop. I've been thinking about it all week. I'm tired of it. Yeah, I'm tired of it too. It's just it's amazing how much news it garnered. For real. Okay, uh, I have three articles just to do a quick touch on Dibby because daddy. they're all just military. Gladly, uh, all military things that I think are funny. This first one, I got excited when I clicked on the headline, and then I got pissed off at how disappointing it was. It's Space Force announces new rank names for Guardians. Okay. All right, real quick. Real quick, Alex, give me what what are some Space Force rank names that make sense to you? All right. Uh E3 Space Cadet. Um shit. Let's see. I want to say some of the officers should be like Space Admirals, you know? Yes. Think, yeah, Space Admiral. Honestly, space if we don't throw Star like Commander. a Grand Moff somewhere in there, some straight Star Wars shit, <laughs> I think we're fucking up. Hmm. Like Admiral Thrawn, Grand Moff Tarkin. Dude, fuck it. Just throw Darth in there. That should be like the general levels. You're like, <laughs> you're uh, Brigadier Darth, Major Darth, Lieutenant Darth. Uh, yeah, we can we can get all kinds of fun with this. Yeah, I want like Star Captain. Yeah, or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Star Colonel. Uh, like Nova Squad. Uh, there's so many good ones. Nova Squad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all this Halo shit. Yeah. Dude, is is Master Chief? In, is Master Chief one of these? No, because it's it's an Air Force offshoot. And that's the thing. In the uh, real world, it's the Air Force that's inheriting space, right? But in the sci-fi, it's always Navy rank. That was assumed to be the Navy. Why do these fucking nerds have to be so boring? Hit, all right, hit me with these this, ranks. I want to hear what they actually are. Okay. 
Rank changes will be effective February 1st. For the junior enlisted who are E1 to E4, they will no longer be airmen, but specialists. And then depending on their grade, the rank will include numbers 1 through 4. And they just, Okay, we went from airmen and we just didn't make it spacemen? Yes. What are we talking about? What are we doing here? They should be, yeah, they should, they're guardians. They should be like guardian, uh, guardian first class, you that, know, guardian yeah, yeah, yeah. senior. Yeah. For example, an E3 from an airman first class to specialist three. That's so fucking stupid. Specialist guardians who are E5 will no longer be a staff sergeant, but a sergeant in the space force. Grades E6 to E9 with names, technical sergeant, master sergeant, and senior master sergeant and chief master sergeant will remain the same. All right. That's all just right. Air force Here's my shit. theory. Officer ranks remain the same. Oh, my God. Boring. Here's my, Boring. here's my theory, dude. All right, so I think the Space Force is getting a little butthurt because literally everyone on Facebook and Army WCF moments is just making fun of the Space Force. So some fucking, yes. some major lieutenant colonel somewhere was like, we got to fix our image and we got to like bring this back to the serious realm. So they just made the most boring fucking rank names. Technical Sergeant, yeah, they are you sound kidding like- me? file names yeah. specialist one specialist two specialist three dot txt like that's what i think in my head it's just fucking yeah for anyone who thought the space file force was name. actually gonna be cool uh this is evidence that's not it's gonna be just as lame as everything else in the dod yeah it's it's the air force it's just part of the air force it's the part of the air force that was already obsessed with space or oriented on space stuff yeah. which they have been since the 60s they always they're the ones that manage the nukes and whatever it's just those guys just rebranded and now the Air Force has a slightly smaller footprint to manage. You ever watch that Netflix show that came out for one season? I think it was literally just called Space Force. Yeah, the Steve Carell one, because it was lib brain stuff trying to make fun of oh Trump. Oh my god! And then Biden yeah, it was it. so bad. Yeah. I got through maybe like yeah. three episodes because there's there's like some bits of humor that you can piece out of it. Um, I think isn't John Malkovich in it, or am I crazy? I'll watch anything with John. I think yeah, he is. Yeah, I'll watch right. anything yeah, with John Malkovich in it. But yeah, he's like the scientist, right? He's trying to convince them to all do the right thing. But it is such just lib brain. They explicitly made it to make fun of Trump. And it's just eye roll the whole time. Yeah, could have been funded by the Lincoln Project or something. Yeah. Okay, next article, which I'm honestly uh, fucking boring as well, but interesting because of what it is a like a bigger trend in it says navy looking at ways to encourage sailors to get the coronavirus vaccine <laughs> i'm not going to read it but the point is that no one in not no one but damn near half the people in the military are so fucking just sold out on or just burned out on the news and don't trust anything anyone tells them yeah. and think that the vaccine is going to make their balls shrivel up or or whatever and like i don't I'm not a doctor. I know that probably they rushed this vaccine to the point that there probably are side effects that we don't know about yet, but I don't think it'll be a huge problem. The point is these guys are, they're, they're part of the culture that we created and now they're all suspicious about it. And now you're going to see the military do this tap dance because they know they need vaccinations to keep you, you know, on ships or in close quarters in the barracks or something yeah. like that. I remember first came in to tell us about, Hey, like vaccines are open. Make sure you go get your shot. But, but it's not mandatory. I need y'all to understand that it's not mandatory. And he said it like four or five times. I was like, dude, if you don't want to get the vaccine, just don't get the vaccine. I'm going to go fucking get it. Like, absolutely. But it was, it was very clear that that kind of undertone pervades everything where they need to make sure that you know that we're not forcing this on you. Because God forbid there's fucking anti-vaxxers in the military. We got to fucking count out of them. 
Honestly, we ever the commander should have just told everyone you're fucking getting it. Shut the fuck up. Stop moving inside the head. Yeah, they're handling it exactly like they handle ball tickets. <laughs> that experience, you know, yeah, where they said, "Okay, you you you're not required to get it, but if you don't get it, you're not allowed to travel or leave the post or, or anything like that." It's those kind of policies. Yeah, it's like with the ball tickets or like an MWR event. They're like. Well, if you don't sign up to go, you will be on the detail that sets up and breaks down the whole fucking thing. Yes. You know? Which is why the the smart E4 will always buy the ball ticket and then skip it and go somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, just spend the 70 bucks they to just, have a free night and go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it's a you, you buy a hall pass, basically. And these they're basically just, especially with the, the Navy, they're so worried about the tight quarters on the ship and how everyone just gets sick immediately if one of them's sick, that they're... They're withholding liberty uh, on post or on shore or anything like that unless they get it. And they're trying to find policies that will let them not wear a mask or something. I don't know. But it's just hilarious watching them tap dance because they can't just come out and say, get the damn vaccine. They shouldn't. Because <laughs> that's – I think they should too. I don't give a fuck about it. But then again, maybe that's a, you know, a violation of your civil rights. So – Anyways, enough on that. And then, you don't of have course, this is my favorite. Sorry. Yeah, like these are the same people that send you to go get blown up in Iraq. They don't give a shit about your body. They just need you to think that they do. Uh, the next one, this is the last, the grooming standards, the updated 670-1. Oh, hell yeah. Grooming standards. This one is interesting because it actually spawned some interesting discussions over the last week All right. with the same sergeant major that I talked about <laughs> on the earlier one. Okay. You got started? So, or? yeah, I think I do. Fuck yeah. We'll cover the, the changes first. Okay. Long story short, the military just got, just relaxed a little bit because the thing now for the totally ceremonial position of Sergeant Major of the Army is to give soldiers surveys on what changes they'd like to see to the superficial quality of life things like 670-1 or, or MWR pause or whatever it is that soldiers like care about. Like tattoos on your forearm and stuff. Tattoos. I mean, hey, I like that one. Yeah, yeah I know absolutely. You too. The this one was there's also a drive to make it more sensitive to the diversity in the military because it's not all white dudes like it used to be. Crew cut white dudes. So, right. yeah, and that's always annoying because they were always saying, "Well, women should just get a buzz cut, just like I have to." Saying, "Yeah, okay, but you're allowed to have that kind of haircut as a man in regular society." And look, you want a woman, woman to put yeah. a exactly. You want her to put a a dress on and go to the club with a buzz cut. That's not, this is set against the background of society. So anyways, they changed it. Uh, female soldiers be permitted to have several additional hairstyles, basically a ponytail. So they don't have to do the thing where they put their, they put it in that bun where it's so, and it's considered more professional, the tighter it is. So they're literally pulling the fucking scalp back so far that it's in like this. I picture it like a tourniquet in the back. Like they have a tourniquet, yeah. like windless where they spin, twin it for like tighter and tighter and it just pulls their skin back i'm like dude you're gonna lose your dude, head it looked like shit it looked terrible yeah i'm it's like I, apologies to any of the women that aren't listening to this obviously because we're 100 male so far but if you do listen to this and you're a woman we're sorry you had to do that it wild out can't queen. have been comfortable yeah no i remember uh yeah. majors and th- there would be every once in a while you'd have a female major who decided to go against the whole like real tight bun thing that they had going mm-hmm. on and they would do the bowl cut move, which looked <laughs> thousand awful. times worse. It looked awful. It was so bad. They would have like their PC on and they would just have this just like bush 
this is just absolutely main just yeah disheveled it was an explosion like, yeah in the shape of Darth Vader's helmet it was just down to their shoulders uh straight from like their ears to the collarbone yeah it looked and it was all over awful. the place and it was and that was like the t- yeah. that was the two choices that people had anyways yeah so ponytail's cool they have a long ponytail which used to only be allowed during pt from what i recall yeah so I uh, they're starting cool. to let people so the ones like, that color their hair as long as it's like natural. yeah that's the other one yeah. this is i don't think they care about the ponytail so much because it's the all the cranks in the army are freaking out about uh the the things that are not exclusively for women the new policy allows men to wear clear nail polish in uniform. <laughs> so for some reason, they get upset with that. This is meant for soldiers who work with harsh chemicals regularly and want to protect their nails, according to the simple PAO green. dude published <laughs> Washing all, washing yeah. all the fucking floors with simple green, literally burning your fingers off. Yeah. I mean, there was one person who was saying in the office, I'm going to do it. Fuck yeah. My, oh, my nails yeah. always look terrible. After the mobile. So yeah, because all the people that are cranks better to only use computers for their work. Yep. What was the then uh, the colored hair, the colored oh, yeah, hair, the frosted color. tips? That's the big one that they're all talking about. Men and women can have natural hair color highlights. Okay, right. So uh, this is they're saying frosted tips. That's the one that everyone's freaking out about because it's what the fuck. This like, is two thousand one. Man can have frosted tips. Yeah, they're all saying that. And I told the starter major and the and the the BC when they were griping about it. I said, Hey, I don't care what you say, sir. I'll say this about AR six seventy one. I want it that way. <laughs> I bet you but so, you felt so proud of yourself for that one, didn't you? I did. The whole office laughed. I had a laugh track like signed. Everyone stand up and claps for you. Yeah. Anyways, so the sp- conversations at this spot okay. uh, were with Crank Sergeant Major. He was saying that he had said it's it's probably for trans people. That was the first thing he said. The first thought he had. I was like, what? Well, trans people like, yeah, that's want a thing. tips. Was that the thought? Apparently. Yes. He said, because he met a trans person that had frosted tips one time. <laughs> and and he says, yeah, that's like a sign. You know, like they used to have the bandanas <laughs> in the pockets to show. What? <laughs> what? Dude, is that like the rumor and, where I heard, I heard somewhere that if you're on a Navy base and you see a flamingo in your front yard, that means that the family living there are swingers or something? <laughs> is that the same kind of thing you like? I remember in middle school, you would wear different colored bracelets, and that meant you were like certain levels of down to fuck or something. Like a blue bracelet would be like, you do blow jobs, like a red bracelet would be like, you do HJs, and like a black one means you fuck, or you do anal or something like that. You're like, what the fuck? Those are all pre dating apps. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That doesn't matter anymore. The trans people dating app is just frosted tips, according to Sar Major. All right. Yes, dude. That guy's fucking. It cracks me up. I love him. The so he said that, and, and then he was going on about it later, and he was saying that it frustrated him because it was gonna. He said it was gonna keep trans people who didn't want to be in the army in the army. It was gonna make it easier for them to stay and and be not a part of army culture. They said, and he was having again his whole grand theory. He was saying that us making more permissive policies for people who aren't patriotic essentially because <laughs> apparently you can't be patriotic and trans this just showing multiple levels of fucked up in this yeah, yeah. guy's head that was what he's saying that we're going to have we're basically corroding the military from the inside with permissive policies on grooming standards and we're allowing people who don't want to be in the military really to be in the military and i turned around and i said you know why people who don't want to be in the military are in the military right and he said why because they need free college dude because they 
the economy sucks. Like, yeah, they're they driven shelter here and by food. these. Yeah, <laughs> they're, because they're yeah they're trying to survive, dog. Like, what don't you get about this? That's why we talked about it already. The fucking free college debate when it was coming up in the Democratic primary was just shat all over by the uh, military natsec blogger Weirdos, people because yeah. they're like, no, that endangers our our recruitment rates. Of course it does. Of course it does, you idiot. Because you, none of you people can convince any sane person to participate in your neoliberal agenda to just go shoot farmers in random corners of the world. You know what tanks recruiting that- rates? Whenever a woman is looking at enlisting and she sees that she can only wear fucked up hairstyles for, for fucking ever. <laughs> she's like, no, I don't want to do that. You serious? Yeah. yeah well, I'm going to think about the frosted tips thing. I think I'm going to, I'm thinking I'm going to wear it. It'd be pretty fun. It's a, yeah, it's like the same thing whenever we allowed uh, the turbans for the Sikhs, like the turbans and beards. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that immediately led to the dissolution of the army because all of our moral values uh, <laughs> fell apart yeah. once that happened. Yeah. Sorry, Major. You're right. You figured it out, man. Fucking. You remember reading Black Hearts? You remember that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. The way they sold Black Hearts for military development or leader LPDs or whatever. The theory being that these people committed this atrocity. Because they didn't have their boots bloused or something. Be- exactly. Yeah. And they said, well, yeah, these guys were cowboys and they took liberties with uniform regulations and the, and the day-to-day disciplinary standards of the military, which in their brains extended to taking liberties with the rules of engagement mm-hmm. and by committing war crimes. And you, know, you have made a giant leap in logic. Yeah, yeah. I think the average person knows the difference between raping, murdering, and burning the corpse of a 14-year-old girl. And tying your and shoes. And on... Yes, like holy fuck, man! Like the re, and then they talk about it in the same book. They're like, yeah, well, we had a, a completely toxic piece of shit leader that no one liked, and all the leaders under him were toxic and none, as well. And none of the actual leaders did anything about to get him removed, and and they gloss over that. It's yeah. like a couple of paragraphs, and the rest of the yeah. book is focused on these superficial, like Sar Major type shit, where it's like, as long as we can blame it on blasting your boots we don't have to think about the greater problems there are that like most of the chain of command is fucked up yeah yeah their friends were dying and it was these leaders fault because they kept making stupid fucking decisions in a completely and shit about it that no one can really war. justify why they were there anyways yeah you want to make criminals you make a bunch of disenfranchised guys that use drugs and alcohol when they're not supposed to because they're again stupid leaders that turn into devolve into a fucking criminal gang. Yeah. And because they're getting blown up by these people that they've spent so much time dehumanizing, that's the exact conditions that led to me lie. Yep. But no, it's because they didn't blast their boots. And that's what every Sergeant Major crank wants to talk about with. That's why we can't let trans people feel comfortable by frosting their hair tips <laughs> to, to signify that they're actually in transition or some shit. Yeah. To any trans I, the, person who may the, be listening to this now or in the future, don't do frosted tips. Just don't. <laughs> yeah, my sergeant major thinks you're corroding the army. So All right. Yeah. Finish up with the news. Yeah, I need to get another coffee, dude. Okay, let's uh do a break here. I'll get some more coffee and we'll reset. So what's it called when it's not intro music or outro? 
outro music. It's like middle intro music, just like smack in the middle of the pod. I like that word. We'll call it middle intro. Middle intro music. All right, middle intro music complete. So, what are we talking about today? What's the what's the topic? I mean, you did all the prep work, so I can read your prep work if you want. That's true. We're all talking right. about capitalism. We're talking about capitalism. Crapitalism. Am I right, guys? Um, Crapitalism. Okay, yeah, so podcast title. Right. We're there. doing another definitional topic today. We've covered socialism, fascism, the ruling class, and now we got to talk about capitalism. One, because it ties into all the GameStop stuff, but two, I think it's very important to just understand on a general level because, as much as other people would have you believe, this is not a straightforward answer at all. So, what is capitalism? I always have this argument with libertarians that I know. I fucking hate libertarians. I just bump my mic. I always have this ar- this argument with libertarians that I know where they equate capitalism with freedom because they always say that capitalism is the voluntary exchange of goods and services for your labor or your wages. Therefore, if you restrict capitalism, you restrict voluntary exchange. And that's tyranny, you know? That's why capitalism is good. This is like the Ayn Rand capitalism is freedom because it's the only system that allows you to pursue your own self-interest. Fucking garbage. Absolutely wrong. Psychotic, actually. Yeah, psychotic. And let's talk about why they're wrong. So the voluntary exchange of goods and services has existed literally since the very first time that fucking Ugg picked up a rock and gave it to Bug, his buddy, or like whatever, like these Neanderthal... Grug. Obviously, it's Grug. Yeah, Ugg and Grug if... um, have picked up a rock or like a tool and gave it to their buddy. Um, that's a voluntary exchange of goods and services. And it's such a broad definition that it's completely useless. So capitalism is not that. It's it's an entirely different thing. And I think the the concept of capitalism first started with like adam smith right the the wealth of nations and even his version of capitalism is completely different than what we are told is capitalism today Um, yeah like they always bring up that one little passage where it's like actually adam smith was pro universal basic income because of like a couple passages that yeah and really a a kind of holistic view of capitalism really came out from marx and Engels when they were trying to figure out why they believe the things that they believe so at its core it's an economic system right it's an economic structure but it pervades every aspect of our life from just our basic social social relationships to politics to religion to the commodification of everything and by commodification i mean like things that shouldn't cost money cost money like parking at a hospital costs money for some fucking reason yeah like yes that's what commodity, like everything is turned into a transaction, essentially. It pervades everything. We're all infested. So to talk about what capitalism is and where it came from, we got to talk a little bit of history. So we're going to go full Age of Empires brain here, like Civilization VI, talking dawn of time up until now. And this is, I'm going to get so many historians just yelling at me and, you know, like, armchair marxist yelling at me about just my interpretation of this but i'll fucking oh, care historians always seem to be fucking conservative so unless you're marx all right so the history of economics starts like in prehistory you have tribalism which is what we're talking about like the ug and bug giving each other rocks and stuff is 
Yeah, yeah. A lot of people like to equate it to like a very communal kind of lifestyle, and it and it very much could be, but it was centered around families and tribes and just cooperative mm-hmm. survival essentially. And you start moving into the Bronze Age or the Iron Bronze Age and Iron Age, where you're looking at ancient ancient Egypt, Samaria, the Babylonians, uh, who all really fucked up because they just invented money. Uh, at the very beginning of it, <laughs> at the very beginning of it, it was essentially they, they based it in the same way that we would base the dollar in gold. They based it in like barley in certain amounts of grain. So mm. one shekel would equal however much grain on this scale. And that was transfer of value, essentially, with money. And this is the first time that you start seeing like laws and regulations surrounding private property start to pop up. And then uh, we start getting into the classical age. We're talking like the first Persian Empire, the Roman Empire. India and China dominated a significant portion of this time period for like 1,500 years. Um, this is when it starts getting very formalized in terms of laws. You introduce coinage that has like the emperor's face stamped on it. The first actual economists start springing up around this time. Assholes, dicks, hate them. Uh, <laughs> like Hesiod was one of them. Uh, he was one guy in the, the Roman Empire that started writing about the economy. One thing I like to point out is that Wikipedia says that despite the fact that a lot of these nations saw a massive explosion in GDP during this time, their GDP per capita, which means the amount of like wealth per person, never actually really changed. Makes you think, <laughs> huh? Interesting. You're going to see that trend a lot. And so you move from the classical age into the Middle Ages, where we're talking feudalism, the medieval economy, which is very much centered around land rights. And whoever owned the land was lord over the serfs that lived on that land, and the serfs would pay certain part of their crops and taxes to the feudal lord for protection and for whatever. I think a lot of people are familiar with feudalism to a certain extent because uh, it's just pervasive in our culture and our literature. Yeah, yeah. It's important to recognize feudalism for what it is uh, and its tendency to accumulate wealth towards the top, which is... Mm-hmm something that directly feeds into the current state of capitalism. Yes. We move from feudalism into the early modern era, which is where we start seeing the the feudal structure break down a little bit in favor of mercantilism, in favor of independent traders. Uh, you think like the silk trade. You think of like people mm-hmm. who are starting to move salt and shit around on a ship, uh, like merchants, mercantilism. And mercantilism specifically has to do with state-sponsored capitalism. You'd have, you'd have like a, I don't know, a Spanish king or something who would give writs to certain, uh, certain like organizations, saying like you are allowed to trade on behalf of the empire. Essentially, it was all very state-sponsored, and a lot of it was very imperial as well during this time. And then you move into the Industrial Revolution, which is characterized by just an explosion of growth as a result of technology, massive commodification of everything. Um, and the, the key point of this one is it's it gets more divorced from state control. The state is less and less able to rein in kind of the, the, the Industrial Revolution. Think like laissez-faire capitalism. Hands off, they start just doing their own thing. And now in the 20th and 21st centuries, we have what's pretty explicitly shareholder capitalism. Actually, I was reading a book recently that is very interesting. 
because it's talking about how corporate strategy developed over time. And it wasn't until about the 80s or so that anyone figured out what a company, just like general company, was supposed to be doing in aggregate. And that, let, let me explain that for a second. But up until about the 70s, a lot of companies would just be like, hey, we're a company that makes cars and we sell cars for money. And so a lot of like Harvard Business School professors were trying to figure out what does a company in general do? And they settled on the answer, they maximize profits for shareholders. And that kind of became the centralized thing. So you're not a, you're not a company that sells cars. Or you're not a company that sells uh, machines or calculators. You're a company that maximizes profits for shareholders by selling cars you know, or by selling calculators. So, so they... Before that, was it markedly different? They weren't. Yes, it was. It was less explicit because a company mm-hmm. would just try to do their best that they could to get into certain markets. They were, I don't know, maybe they, they maybe would make they, the highest quality goods they could. Yeah, make the highest quality goods, um, get into certain markets, and a lot of companies weren't aware that certain markets that they were in were just non profitable. So around the seventies and eighties, it became a very big thing to realign the entire structure of the company only towards maximizing shareholder profits and this meant selling off unproductive or less productive parts of their company or just completely closing it down they got real big into cost cutting at this time because that was a way that you could remain competitive in the market and maximize profits for shareholders this all started happening in the 80s which is why there's like a a lot of people know this implicitly but they always say that shit back in the day was just better made that's because it was yeah it literally they don't was. make it like they used to yeah they don't yeah. make it like it used to and it's part of this this thing that cropped up in the 80s where all these business school professors started writing like okay what is the purpose of a company purpose of a company maximize profits for shareholders that's it and they've all found that the best way to do that would be financialization financial capital right they could yep. put all the earnings extra earnings yep. extra profit uh this this became a very the market. big thing to uh the accrual of debt as a way to gain competitive advantage over other people. So in this where the finance industry really starts springing up because they would essentially just take out loans from these massive hedge funds or banks or whatever. They would go millions of dollars into debt so they could purchase more factories and stuff like that. That, mm-hmm. is, that is where finance capital really starts becoming a big thing. And they started buying and selling debt. Yeah, stocks, and- buying and selling debt, yeah. stocks, all of that, all of that. That's that's essentially what stocks are: is like a company indebting itself to shareholders a in shareholder, order to gain yeah. capital okay. that they can use to buy mm. more stuff. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, and there's there's talks nowadays of trying to move away from shareholder capitalism and move to stakeholder capitalism, which ropes <laughs> in you know the people who work for the company. And the people who are maybe affected by the externalities, like pollution of whatever this company is making. Yeah. All those things like the TED Talks, but like, here's how to alleviate the crushing guilt of being an exploitative capitalist. Yeah, yeah. Care about your stakeholders, too. That, that's all they're it's, trying it's to do. It's a neoliberal just, solution. Exactly. They're just trying to alleviate some of the more pervasive okay, problems. Okay. So we just talked like the timeline of everything. Where along this timeline do you like draw a line and say... This is now capitalism. Everything before this is something else. Now, this is a tricky question, which is why the libertarians piss me off because they think they know, and they frankly don't. It's clear none of they them. They think it's like Adam and Eve. They think that like handing, yeah, Ugg handing the rock to Grug was the birth of capitalism, and that it was, yeah, 
some origin story. Look, you guys worship at a fucking altar. Yeah, <laughs> of, they took of Econ one. That's who you are. They, yeah. they saw the supply and demand graph, and they figured out. They thought they figured out everything there was to know about the economy. Fucking try again, nerds. So I would personally place that line where you say this is ca- everything before this is not capitalism. Everything after this is capitalism. I would place that somewhere around the early modern era with the invention of corporations, publicly traded corporations, of which the Dutch East India Trading Company was the very first one. It was like the first one to have an initial public offering. And this was the beginning of the concept of shareholder capitalism. And then in Ocean's 12, they they steal the first stock share like a, a share certificate yeah, yeah. of the dutch east india trading yep. company it was Dude, so, the, well they tried to but yeah the, the dutch French east india company them. was fucked up holy crap some of the stuff that they did over the course of their existence was psychotic yeah they were like a, a oppressive imperial country and they weren't even a country yeah yeah i think as well when the dutch east india trading company i could be wrong on this when they started going under sparked the first depression <laughs> like worldwide yeah. depression um, which Jesus. is another key component of capitalism, by the way. So, yeah. So let's let's highlight the thing that created capitalism, right? Like, what what is the identifying factor? And what I what I I need to figure out how I want to phrase this. At this time, there was a complete divorce of the producer, the person who actually works to make the thing, from the means of production. And you, you might have to help me explain this a little bit. But it's mm-hmm. there's the shit that makes other shit, the means of production, versus mm-hmm. the people who use that shit to make other shit, which is the producer, the worker, the laborer. Such versus a, a bro, a bro approach to explaining. It. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Let's do it. Let's roll with it. Yeah. Versus the people who own the shit that makes other shit. So you have like three distinct categories. You have the means of production. You have the laborers. And then you have the capitalists that own the means of production. And all of those things are completely distinct concepts so what's different about this is i think feudalism the serf that works the land is tied to the land he lives there he lives in his house there he works the crops that are there the feudal lord is also tied to that land so he has to protect the serfs he takes their taxes it's all they're all tied to something that's like external to them the distinction of capitalism is that these people the the workers are no longer tied to anything they're completely transient uh I think Marx calls them the free worker, but that's not free in a good way. They're not tied to land. They're not tied to the means of production, meaning like... It's like free radical or something. Yeah, yeah. They're they're free floating. Yep. Unattached. They are literally just tied to wages. And guess who has the wages? The capitalists, hmm. right? So it's a, it's a complete, not like a complete inversion, but is a completely new mode, a new social relationship that exists between the ruling class, and the working class. In that, the capitalists have everything that the ruling class, or excuse me, the capitalists have everything that the working class needs to survive, which is different than how it was previously. Because previously, the the serf had the land, whether or not he owed taxes to the lord, he had the land and could eke out like a subsistence living on the land. Or you have like a spinster who had their little loom and could interact directly with their means of production. But now you have like factory workers who don't own the machine that they are working on. And as a result of that, they don't own the product of the machine that they're working on. 
they are completely divorced from the mode of production. And this is where we get into like the real shit. <laughs> the numbers, the, the dates, real shit. the dates, the, the real shit, yeah, the real shit. That's the the capitalism the raw data. Yeah. And this started exacerbating around, like I said, the early modern era with uh, the Dutch East India Trading Company. The key difference. So this. My little part here that I put in was based on our earlier discussion about how Marx thinks that capitalism is an extension of feudalism. Yeah. Right. And if you say that, it makes it sound like like we should just call capitalism some sort of like call it neo feudalism, mm -hmm. which is a term that is thrown around to describe how the world looks right now. Yeah. But capitalism is, in fact, something something new and different that deserves its own name. And we said that it would be best to think of capitalism as a child of, of feudalism, as, yeah. a, as offspring, as a direct result of feudalism. And it was feudalism when it encountered the industrialization of the world, the industrial revolution and the way that, like you said, the spinster with the loom. And in this analogy, in olden times, an artisan or a craftsman or something like that, a cobbler, could purchase the means of production reasonably you could, for the price of a hammer and some whatever, you know, the thing that, cobbler always has an upside down thing you put a shoe on yeah. to make it you know the they always have they always had access to those things they could afford it they could make an investment of a, of a reasonable size and make shoes the means of production in that case would be the tools and the product would be the shoe so the industrialization of the means of production meant that the those small affordable tools became massive completely unaffordable for the average person, very expensive machinery, yep. machinery that could produce that amount of stuff at scale. The only people that can afford that kind of investment are the people who have all the capital, all the value, the ability to invest, which meant that immediately the people that held the power in that regard were, I guess, lords if they adapted, you know, they, they could afford to buy that stuff or people who, who, saw what was going on and, and purchased the, this industrialized, massive means of, uh, means of uh, production. So once they had that, then they, they owned. And because private ownership had been, private ownership of things was formalized over the course of this historical period as well, they owned explicitly without sharing it with anyone, they privately owned the giant industrial loom. Yep. That made the product of textiles or something yep. like that. And, and they, all they needed was people to run it, and they needed people to work this limb. Who basically, you'd bring these people in and say, "Hey, I'll pay you a wage to use my stuff for me and produce this product that I need you and to produce." The that capitalist I will sell. keeps the product. They have full ownership of yes. whatever the the output is of this labor. It's like yeah. a, all they get is the wage, and it doesn't scale based on how much they produce. Mm -hmm. In fact, they'll reduce it, though, if you don't make their quota or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's a... I can't remember one quote. I want to... The mine owners did not find the gold. They did not mine the gold. They did not mill the gold. But by some weird alchemy, all the gold belonged to them. And that's what we're talking about with, like, private property. They didn't do any of this shit. They just had the means of production, so they owned all of it. Despite the fact that the labor that you put in uh, means you get nothing except for a wage at the end of the day. Yeah, ben, Benny Boy, Benny Boy Shapiro would say <laughs> that it's because they took the risk, that they exposed themselves to financial risk when they invested a large amount of money in the mine. Nope. but And the, then paid wages to the person. That is 
exactly like the lie that all this GameStop stuff yep. tells you to, because yep. they hedge their they hedge their risk all day. They hedge their risk through manipulation of regulation, through uh, manipulation of the means of production. They are not nearly as much as risk as the rest yeah. of us. Right? You could lose everything on that investment and still have a decent quality of life. Exactly. Because their personal property would still be there. The person risking it is the person that's begging you for be- like below livable wage. Yep. And is going to expose themselves to significant personal, bodily, familial harm, risk, quality of life that's substandard in every regard. So this is in the era, the one we're thinking of is is pre any labor protection of any kind. So they're yeah. working seven days a week. They're working 80 hour weeks their without any protection there. Their children are in the mines with them. It's insane. Yeah. So, and you said the key development that turned feudalism into capitalism was that these people are not tied to their feudal Lord. They don't have this lifelong allegiance to this, this structure. They become free radicals that are completely disposable. Yeah. Yep. In that sense, they're completely divorced from the product of their labor, and they only are able to interact with their product of their their own labor through wages. Right? Like we tell the we tell the story. They always try to make uh, Henry Ford seem to be a good guy, right? Because he would. <laughs> yeah, that's he would, why Hitler had a picture of him in his office. Yeah, yeah he right. would pay his workers above the industry wage because something about the quote was like, "I want my workers to be able to afford the cars." that I produce or like that we produce right in with the Ford company, which that just highlights the discrepancy because his own workers could not take advantage of the means, the the things that they themselves produced. He owned all the cars and he gave them back this piddly little wage that maybe was above industry standard. And he thought he was like the angelic uh, benevolent CEO capitalist, you know? Yeah. And which is why capitalism is inherently exploitative, because you have people who need something you have. You could consider money a drug and you're the dealer and you know they got to come back to you. You know they need it desperately. Right. And you use their need for that, especially considering how they all conspire with one another to make sure that they're precarious enough to need it. They need they use your need for money to make you work their machines for them. Yep. So they don't have to do it themselves. And then the value that you create with that product, the value of the, value of the textile, they keep the product and then they sell it for far more than they're paying you yep. so that they get to keep the money. And they keep far more than they need as well. And the, the point is that this is structured. The, the flow of value goes from the people who have nothing straight up to the top to the people who have everything. It's just this thing vacuum tubes I, I always imagine if you analogize it to the mail tubes in the basement of the yeah you just empire state building right from up. yeah exactly from uh, from uh elf that's what i think just putting his head on it i don't know will ferrell the it just sucks it upward and the invert the, the conversion of this economic structure to socialism would be just the demand that if you're going to own means of production you should be the person that works it yeah you you are entitled to the fruits of your labor as the worker. Yes. And not yeah, as it the, just would the mean capitalist that, who assumes this kind of like arcane risk that they really don't assume, right? That aren't contributing yeah. anything. Not involved yeah, they, in the actual start to finish development of the product. Yeah, for, for a variety of reasons, they have walked into the casino of the economy with millions of times more chips than you ever had when you started. 
that's just the that's the reality of of capitalism and they continue to generate more capital that way by gambling in greater amounts than you are but they're not going to lose anything because they still have their own bank account (laughs) that's i don't know if that analogy makes any fucking sense it does to me but yeah i what you said entitled the the fruits of your labor i the idea for socialism would be to just get rid of the fucking capitalists because they're just parasites on the economy they're parasites on all of us they're the people that contribute to them they author all of your problems the author of all of your miseries yeah, as, as we can see already, you notice the trend whenever the stock market goes up, nothing actually changes for you as the guy who only owns a few stocks. Maybe you get like a couple hundred bucks, but a lot Probably of the a mutual fund for retirement get, or something. Yeah, get hundreds of billions of dollars. But whenever the stock market crashes, we all lose our jobs, right? Yes, it's, exactly. Yep, it's because all of the risk that they tell you that these capitalists assume they don't actually it's assume on, it. we it's assume on it. you. Yes, we assume that risk and we are entitled to the fruits of our labor. The capitalists are not entitled to the fruits of our labor. And uh Marx himself would say that capitalism was a necessary step in like the economic de- development of the world as a way to like untie wealth and capital from like the lords from the king essentially. It was a necessary step but once it's served its purpose, we need to move on beyond that to what you're saying, which is the the collective ownership of the means of production, which we talked about in past episodes. That's that's just socialism. That's it. Baby. All four of them. Yeah. All four of them. The term has been bandied about more and more in recent years, techno-feudalism. Yeah. And techno-feudalism, I think, just captures all the horrors of the future as I see it. Yeah. It's, a, it's very cyberpunk, right? And that, yeah. that's what cyberpunk fiction in the video game like really get into is yeah. the, the massive accumulation of capital in the hands of very few people in the hands of like these massive corporations. Because people back in the 70s and 80s, whenever cyberpunk first became like a real thing, were reacting to the hyper financialization of our, our structure, our economic structure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they were taking that to the logical the logical endpoint, which was we're all going to be serfs living on land that is owned by the capitalists, owned by the corporations, much in the same way that they used to have mining towns. And you're starting to see this come back in Silicon Valley where Google yes. tries to have all of their workers like live. In or, Google Village. Yeah, so in creepy. Google Village. Yeah, yeah, it's the same exact shit. And it's if we don't correct course onto something that is better for the average person we're going to end up right back into cyberpunk future neo-feudalism cyber feudalism essentially yeah cyber i like that one too cyber feudalism yeah the difference from original feudalism where the serfs work the land would be this creation of a world that's so interconnected where goods and information and people assuming that there's a legitimate reason for them to be transferred by the capitalist's decision are, are trading serfs. They're they're giving each of the serfs to one another and they're saying, okay, I can make more money if I have half the number of serfs I do this year. Does anyone else need serfs? And they say, okay, well, that feudal lord over there, he needs more serfs. So we're, I'll just send them all over there. I'll force them to relocate. Fuck their social lives. Fuck their, their cultural interconnectedness. Fuck their sense of wanting a home that they can call their own. Fuck all that. They have to live like sharks and continually yeah. move. It's There was actually a... 
I don't know if it was like a conspiracy, but I'm, I believe it's been proven true that Steve Jobs was involved in a scheme with other CEOs in Silicon Valley where they would not hire other software engineers that had previously been in another company for the explicit purpose of driving down wages in Silicon Valley so that Jesus they could set the wage at what like cheaper than the industry wage and knew for certain that other companies within Silicon Valley would not poach your talent um, so that they could all keep wages low. Right. Dude, I fucking hate Steve Jobs. Yeah. He uh, massive like, piece of shit. Who was was wasn't he literally putting fruit juice up his butt trying to cure colon cancer? I don't know if that's he got, true, but he I got believe grifted. It is now. I think I've always heard people say that. Yeah, that's a that's a truth I choose to believe. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea of him like laying on his back with his ailing fucking cancerous body, just putting like someone has like, he basically has him butt chugging V eight because yeah. it's just gonna help him. He thinks, dude. Anyone, uh, anyone who thinks he got that grifted. Fuck you. Capitalists have like earned their position in our society. Just have to look like look at idiots like Steve Jobs, who literally died yes. because he thought that crystals were gonna fucking cure his cancer, or like organic <laughs> eating were gonna cure his cancer. These people are no smarter than any, like literally anyone else. Like with the GameStop stuff. Literally just a bunch of dudes mm-hmm. on the internet figured out exactly how to do the same exact thing that all the hedge funds are doing. The only difference is they have access to resources by birthright that you don't. They were just born into a better position. And every once in a while, they'll have like an upstart like Elon Musk. Well, nope, he was still born into a very, very privileged position. Um, they always sell you the lie that a lot of these companies were founded out of someone's basement. Right. Or out yeah, of someone's it's always garage. the American dream Silicon Valley stock. Exactly. Like, dude, Bezos. Bill Gates or something. Bezos, his, the start of all of his shit was funded by his parents. Same thing with Elon Musk. Like, they were all just born into positions of privilege over the rest of us. And that is why they were able to accumulate so much wealth. For the rest of us, we don't have access to those resources. But they're no different than you. They just are luckier than you. All these people are fucking morons. They really are. Yeah, to be completely honest. If if they were forced to interact with you in a way that their capital, yes, (laughs) banging on that drum over there. (laughs) Uh, The if they were forced to interact with you on an equal playing field, you would be like, "Who the fuck? You're weird. What are you? You're so fucking weird." Yeah, dude, don't talk to me. Yeah, they'd be. Oh God, I just can't. And like we said, being rich is bad for your brain. I want to. That I could do an episode on that alone. We do the, that the way we could. That'd be fun. Just proving that money ruins you. <laughs> you know, uh, I think it just is evidence with these people. They started out as nerds, and I kind of like nerd. I got a soft spot for nerds. I think we all. It's kind of nerd culture these days, anyways. Yeah. Where that's you know, like hey, you know, you were smart. Maybe you got picked on for it. Whatever. You know, hey. I got you. Maybe you like Star Wars a lot. Maybe you like action figures and painting them or some shit. I don't know. Like you got your own thing going on. Probably worth talking to. But then they get they strike it rich, and they all of a sudden want to like eat uh, endangered animals to know what it tastes like with this just <laughs> fucking weird bloodlust for Dude, stupid shit. What are the articles that always come out where they'll be like they'll ask some tech billionaire like what's the secret to your success? And they'll be like, well. I wake up at 11 a.m. all day, every day, and then I go meditate for an hour, and then I eat a quinoa salad for lunch because <laughs> it's really about your mind-spirit-body connection 
that really allows you to be successful. And you're just like, listen, you're reading this article and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, one, you don't work hard at all. You're doing fucking nothing all day. And two, like, this is just some dumb, like, spiritual crystal ball shit. Like, shut the fuck up. Dude, I... I As if any Peter, of these Peter Thiel, have any kind of insight into success. Yes. Peter Thiel is a particularly gross version of that to me. With his fucking... He's clearly a nerd with his... He names all his secret operations after Lord of the Rings names. Ugh, gross. All that stuff. Have you heard about that? Yeah, he... he which I, wasn't he the guy that started Palantir or whatever? The oh, surveillance shit. Yeah. shit? That's uh, uh, that guy's just so horrifying to me. Anyways, yeah, he he was on Rene Giraud or whatever the guy's name was on his train of mimetic something about mimetic psychology or some some sort of philosophy that he was into that made him that colored his whole perception of the world or something like that. And people are holding this up like if you read this, it will get you rich. You know, <laughs> this is this is his secret to how he's better, dude. The reason. The the way you make money in this world is by either be, being born a cold blooded psychopath with access to privilege of some sort, a- or becoming capital. exactly, or making yourself a cold blooded psychotic weirdo with access to capital. That's yeah. that's what it is. You just have to be ready to fuck people over because that's the essence of capitalism. I don't know what else you want me to tell you. There's not secrets to this shit. Yeah. So I said we go ahead and wrap all of this up. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. So we covered capitalism. It's the child of feudalism, which kind of makes it makes sense once you start thinking about it. Um, it's just the next step in our economic progression, and it's done. We're, we're over it because none of these people are smarter than you. None of these people work harder than you. Jeff Bezos doesn't put thousands of hours into each day more than you to enable him to earn thousands of times more money per hour than you do like no none of this shit makes sense they're literally just privileged kids who are born with access to more capital than you and that's why they have positions of power over you that's all capitalism is yeah and the rest of us are stuck trying to make it into the lower middle class by joining the military yep so yep and uh maybe if you're lucky uh if you're an officer you can get out of the lower middle class get out of the army go get in the mba and then uh just make a whole bunch of money for the capitalists because you're still a wage yep. earner bitch yep yep capital isn't in your bank account capital is shit you own yep. like the means shit that makes other shit in our bro language so yeah. the All access right, to wealth producing capital yeah would be the so that's capitalism um cool i think we covered it you want to do some housekeeping yeah. Yeah, housekeeping. Okay. I don't I don't know what to say. Down, I think, apparently. Yeah, I think BitPatron is down. So if you were gonna buy us a beer, um I'll give you a drop location. Just put a bag <laughs> of money at the corner of uh seventh and first and uh we'll figure it out from there. Leave some drugs in yeah. there too. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny if you get followed by an undercover cop and they're like, What's in that? And they're like, Oh, it's uh just beer. Outro music. Psh, tick, 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 tick.